Welcome back to the JXW Podcast. I am your host, Jay Portics, and if you are new here at the JXW, we strive to help you pursue God, seek freedom, and acknowledge your God-given gifts. Today, we have a special episode with haiku poet Julia Lauren. This episode was very packed with information that you do not want to miss but honestly i just want to give you guys some tidbits of information about the jxw podcast if you want to get further connected with everything that is going on make sure you follow all the social media at j poetics world that's poetics spelled with an x world spelled w-r-l-d if you want to give a monetary gift to the jxw podcast Poetic spelled with an X, world spelled W-R-L-D. You can cash at me or you can click the support button on Anchor. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. And let me just pray us in. Lord God, thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the earth that you've given us, our voices. Thank you for our creative giftings. Thank you for everything that you've done and everything that you're going to do. Lord I pray that this message will hit somebody so hard that they're going to have to think about it over and over, that you will overflow them with a spiritual blessing today. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this has been enough of me. Please enjoy this episode. Love y'all. Peace. I don't think you get it. You're the only one who knows the taste that lies dead beneath my tongue. I'm not sure how to make you understand that these are not stretch marks. You left skid marks here, don't you remember? Taking drags and taking turns like the sun's rising depended on us. Baby, you read me like a book. Your favorite comic has folds in the corners, rips in her seams. I know where all your favorite parts are. I'm telling you, my love, these heartstrings you plucked still ring the tune of your stay that echoes in my bones i might not remember all the words but i recall the chorus baby what do strangers look like please don't say dusted with cinnamon and eyes like espresso because that will mean i can't know you anymore i can't feel your arms and i wrap my own around myself don't tell me you forgot my name you breathed it in my neck through my palms down my back i didn't know candlelight burned that Thank you so much, honestly, for having me on the podcast. I truly appreciate it. And I'm just so thankful and happy to be here and just honored to be a part of this space and to have uh, a minute to talk with everybody and to talk with you. Um, So my name is Julia Lawrence, kind of my artist and stage name. Um, So I am a haiku artist. So I'm a poet. Uh, I also am a small YouTuber and a small business owner. Um, I kind of just dabble in a lot of things and I'm really just here to try to be inspired as well as to Mm. inspire others to be their best selves or to be whoever that God made them to be. Um, I, I'm not really one to try to copy other people. I just feel inspired by others and then it just makes me want to do better overall. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that I can do the same for other people. So you brought up so many good points. Um, I want to start with like, cause for the JXW podcast, this is exactly what I want to do, just inspiring other younger people, specifically, specifically younger people, because I, in my younger ages, I didn't have a voice per se. I didn't have, I wasn't bold enough to enact any of my creative purpose into the world on a broad sense. 
to get my voice out there. So I want you to talk about as a younger child, what was one of the roadblocks sociably and how did you overcome that and actually project your voice and your story? Ooh, um, so as a younger child, I'd probably say that um, my biggest thing was just not being able to fit in. So in all the places where I grew up, I was, um, I was the skinny one. I was the black one. I was the girl. And so nobody really wanted to listen to what I had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got into writing when I was very, very young. Uh, and I would keep tons and tons of journals and diaries. And I would just kind of like write my heart out and pretend like somebody could hear me. Um, back then, my faith wasn't really strong. So I didn't even really think that God could hear me. And so it was really just me writing to myself or I guess like mm-hmm the universe because I just I didn't really feel like I was being heard um and so as I grew older I started I started just like transitioning into writing for myself it wasn't just a writing because I wanted somebody to hear me I needed to write so that I could calm down and just so I didn't hold on to negative feelings anymore um I tend to be an overthinker anybody who knows me will tell you that I overthink a lot And so being able to do, I think nowadays they call it like morning pages where you kind of just like wake up first thing in the morning and you write the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, So I I now do things like that, but, you know, obviously more poetry centric and it just kind of helps me to get my own flow going. And so once I got the, uh, the nerve to share it, I was not, I wasn't reaching the people who I wanted to I guess, talk to, Mm -hmm. but I was reaching people who were able to relate. And that started meaning a whole lot more to me because now I found a space of people who understood what I was going through. You kind of touched on like writing for yourself and you didn't feel as though you were going to get heard in front of people. That's something that I really went through. Like really personally, isolation was like my whole childhood. For real. So when I started writing, I started writing when I was 15 years old. And before then, I always written things, but I never recorded it per se. But I finally started recording it, actually physically writing when I was 15 and doing the poetry. And I even started short stories and all that. But at the time, I felt like very compressed, sociably very compressed. And I didn't know how to like, because I didn't have friends at the time. I was homeschooled, all that. Um, I'm the youngest of five children. So it was like the world all around me. I want, in your perspective, how did you personally deal with all the pressures of the world? And how did you, like, break through? Like, what did you do to... Of course, we always have God around us. But what did you do to, like, get yourself, motivate yourself every single day to, like, hey... I'm a person and I am really, I'm all that. Yeah. So I'm going to be completely honest with you. I ran from it. Mm. Um, I just ran from it. I just, I felt like if I closed my eyes and I buried my head in the ground, you know, far enough that it wouldn't reach me. Um, But obviously it's not the way that the world works. And, you know, you, there comes a time where you have to get up, you know, get off your butt, got to grow up and you have to face it head on. And so I've told my testimony a couple of times before, but 
Um, and I think you might have remembered uh, when I was on Casper's podcast. Yes. Um, but the the breaking point for me and having to face all of my problems all at once. Um, I was going through a really bad depressive episode too. It was it lasted maybe like a month, um, mm. or a little over a month, <clears throat> and I was just so angry at God. I was just I was mad, and I used the last of my faith that night. Like I was, I was pretty much ready to throw in the towel and I walked around outside at 10 30 at night, literally screaming at God, which obviously is not okay to do. Like I, (laughs) (laughs) I do not recommend, uh, 10 out of 10 do not recommend yelling at God, but in my humanness, I was so desperate for an answer and so desperate for him to be real and for him to hear me that I just, I screamed, you know, and I realized that if God really wants relationship, like relationships aren't always pretty. And so, you know, if he wants me to be real, that I'm going to be real. This isn't going to be a, you know, sitting on my knees, hands clasped. Oh Lord God, in the name of Jesus kind of prayer. No, I'm going to like, I pretty much yelled everything I could besides cursing God out. Um, which again, I'm not proud of, uh, but I, I'm, I understand that I'm human, and so I give myself grace. Oh, yeah. Me yelling at God has been, like, I've had that multiple times. Where It's just in a situation where we got to be honest with ourselves. We don't like pushback. We don't like when God seems not to be there. And we yeah. often just want God to fill us and surround us. And I've often had times where it's like, hey, yo, where are you lord (laughs) like for real like where are you and me being 20 because i'm currently 20 years old and i had all of my traumatic experiences when i was like 15 16 17 and all of that and me personally i don't even know how mentally sane right now god is like lifting me he's doing all that but yeah we went through the teenage phase where we shot it at god and all that but i want to talk about artistry when was like the first time that you said you was like proud of what you did and you wanted to put it out there because with the jxw podcast my main focus is to help people pursue god seek freedom and acknowledge their god-given gifts so i want to encourage others to do what they've been called to do how can you tell a younger person if a younger person was in front of you right now, how would you encourage them? Hey, you can do this. I would say do it and don't stop. Don't Mm. stop because, you know, oh, I don't have enough money or, oh, nobody sees it. Or, you know, I like, don't think about any of that. If you're trying to make it a business, it's going to, it's not going to be a passion anymore. Um, My, my biggest thing for me and my poetry specifically honestly was just being able to like do an open mic night um Mm. the first time I ever got up on stage because I I used to think that I couldn't do spoken word poetry I truly believed that my poetry was too short it was too small to Mm. be considered spoken word and that was just me and my ignorance I didn't realize that you know length didn't matter but all the spoken word poets I listened to would have poems that were like three to five minutes long and so I decided then and there to limit myself. And it wow. wasn't until I had a friend who lifted me up and she looked at me and she's like, Julia, it has nothing to do with how long your poem is. It has everything to do with the way that you perform your poem. 
you have to perform your piece and that's what makes it a spoken word poet poem and so I thought okay and so at the very beginning my biggest success was being able to go to an open mic night and share a poem that was less than 30 seconds long <laughs> and I got applause um and it was very well received and people started asking oh my gosh do you have more share more share more share more and I'm like oh that like this is an okay thing to do um so I combined my tiny poems with me being very animated and I found my thing I found my calling my niche whatever you want to call it so I would say do you don't limit yourself at all um if you think that it's possible it is uh and you know for those of those out there who are believers like anything is possible with god literally anything is possible with god when did you start believing in god like me personally i've always been in the church uh literally i was serving in the church before i came out the womb <laughs> but when did you grow up in the church or did you have a sense to be drawn by a certain age yeah so I would say as far as like, did I grow up in the church? Yes and no. Um, so I quote unquote became a Christian when I was about five years old. Mm. And I don't really count, <clears throat> I don't really count that just because I was too young and didn't understand what I was committing to. Um, I feel like a lot of churches want so badly for their children to grow up in the church. They kind of, I don't think they mean to, but they, they push. Um, and so it was more just like, oh my gosh, there's this amazing being called God and he wants to be your friend and he can give you anything you want. Don't you want that? You know, and five-year-old me is like, yeah. And so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I, I thought there was something out there because everybody told me to. Um, but the first time I actually experienced the, the spirit of God for myself was when I was about 13. Um, and God, I believe that at least back then, and still kind of today, God speaks to me through music. So music is a huge part of my life. Mm -hmm. And there was a specific song, is actually uh, How He Loves by the David Crowder Band, that came on during a concert um, while I was in the middle of prayer. And this huge weight just came down on me, and I couldn't yeah. stop crying. Um, and I, I would say that that was the time that I actually uh believe like started to believe in god um and truly believe that he existed but we weren't we still weren't on like we had like a honeymoon phase uh so to speak I, i'm <laughs> sorry i know i speak <laughs> i speak like god is like you know like this other person i understand that he's my creator but it's easier for me to put things into perspective when i realize that he's not just my creator he's my friend and my father um like he's here and alive and so we had this honeymoon phase for a while and then uh for a while I, I i'll admit openly that i did walk away from god and i was kind of i was just tired i was moving through the motions but i knew that he still existed and he was still speaking to me through music i would just change the channel mm -hmm. um and and so then it built up to uh me realizing and it was on it was that night that i was screaming at god and i realized I never truly had a relationship with God. I was following a religion. I was following what people told me to do and these um, traditions and like, this is how you're supposed to pray. And 
make sure you do it like this and you know make sure you go to church on sundays at 9 a.m because you know if you wake up earlier then you're a Proverbs 31 woman or whatever um and i realized that it wasn't a relationship and it wasn't until that night when i really really not only just confronted god but i confront confronted myself and i was like oh that's not the way this is supposed to go at all and my relationship with god has been just absolutely amazing and i've never been more in love with him than i am right now so the first time i experienced god and god talks to me through dreams it's, it's, it's no doubt the first time i experienced god i was five years old like five six seven something like that and i had a dream where i was at a, a dam and i can't really like get into like details because you know it's specifically details but we was at a dam and yeah. we were at where the falls were we can see over the falls and I can see my family in the distance, like my whole household family in the distance, right? And they're in front of this big vase or bowl or chalice, giant king's chalice filled with grape juice or wine or whatever you have. And this platter, giant platter, supersized stuff. And me, in my ignorance, I'm rushing to these two things to drink and to eat. In this dream... I go up, I drink and eat. My brothers and sisters, my mother and father, they're all there. And boom, in an instance, a red hand comes and picks me up and we're soaring to the sky. And then just before I crack, just before I hit this, this, the atmosphere, a blue hand takes me and brings me on the ground. And this goes back ways to the beginning of this episode where I said that me as a writer, I never written down my stuff until I was 15. Well, this is the same thing. I never wrote down this dream, but all throughout my, all, I've never forgot it though, you know? And I've had yeah. many more dreams such as this. And I too have left the church, you know, only last year. And I reconnected with more community, but I can very, very, um, just when you said all the things about how we're supposed to act in church, you're not, you, you supposed to come on Sunday, you're supposed to dress a certain way, you're supposed to pray like this, and man, that just lit something in me right now, because no, it's about relationship, it's about right. coming to God as you are, and God will meet you where you are, Right. so I want to get to the story of how <laughs> you saw certain things, and certain things just aligned like way to alignmently, if that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I literally still cannot believe it. And to this day, sometimes it's hard for me to like tell that story without getting tears in my eyes. So 1030 at night, I'm screaming at God. And I I mean like I mean if if any like the people who are listening, when I say scream, I mean I can hear my echo in the distance. Like I'm not kidding. Uh, I look like, sound like a wild banshee, look like a woman who has lost her dang mind <laughs> <laughs> walking around downtown um, screaming. And when I was younger, the elders in the church would always talk about like, oh, God showed me this and I prayed for this and God showed up, you know. And so in my young mind, I would like stand in the middle of my backyard and be like, God, make it rain. And it was like, total, it was like you know, 80 degrees outside. Nothing was going to happen. <laughs> 
Um, so I just figured like, oh, I don't have that, you know, limited edition relationship that comes with signs. So that night, which again, not, I'm ashamed. I am ashamed of this. You're not supposed to test God, but I did. Um, cause I was, I was ready to throw in the towel. I'm like, this isn't working. This whole Christian thing is not working mm. and it's tiring. And so I yelled at God and I'm like, God, if you're there, like, if you're there, just show up, just show me the color white. And then I realized that I have a lot of white in my closet. It's one of my favorite colors and I have white walls in my house. And so I was like, nah, let me change the color. So I was like, you know what? No, show me the color yellow. Mm. You know what? I don't care. Show me both. Just show up, just show up. And I just kept saying that. And then I sat there in silence and I heard something go past me and it was a black man riding a green bike and he was dressed in all black clothes. Mm. And I was like, okay, that's it. God doesn't exist. I've literally been talking to the sky for years and this is dumb. And so I stood up and started walking home. And when I started walking home, I passed by a bush with yellow flowers on it. And I thought to myself, that's a really sick joke. Mm. I just felt, I remember feeling so offended that I would ask for, you know, white or yellow or both. And now you're going to try to show me some yellow flowers. Like, nah, I've already made up my mind. I'm done. And then the whole night, like there were barely any cars out, which was really weird because it was downtown. But a, a truck passes by and the truck was white. Mm. And I was like, huh. That's kind of funny, but whatever. After the truck, there was a car. And the car was the exact same make and model as the dream car that I wanted and now have. And the car was white. Mm. And I remember looking in disbelief because I'm like, I asked for these two colors. Like, does that mean that God exists? Like yellow and then white? Like, that's crazy. So I'm watching the car roll past me and it stops at a stop sign. And there was a man waiting at the stop sign to cross the street. And the man was wearing a polo shirt that was striped white and yellow. Yep. And I remember being so at peace that I was afraid. And I turned around, I picked one of the flowers off the bush and I ran, I sprinted home. I hate running, but I sprinted home <laughs> and I fell on my face and I prayed like that for the rest of the night. I prayed my so my condolences. I'm so sorry. I can't believe that I did this. Like, I I'm I'm sorry. Like you're here. I don't know what what you're doing. I don't know what's to come. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but mm. I know that you're here and you can hear me. And so, I remember maybe like a couple months later, I wanted to go back to that spot so I can try to feel that feeling again. And when I went back to that spot. I saw that bush with the flowers on it. And every time I go to that spot, the flowers are always red. Always. Um, and it's not that I don't believe that God doesn't exist in that spot, you know, but I need, he needed to be there for me right then and there. And so to this day, I do not have all the answers. I don't have the Bible memorized. Um, if, uh, if some sort of like you know Christian scholar wants to come up and question me, I I probably will not. I most likely will not have answers for him. I can forget my own name, but mm. I know two things. 
I know that God exists and I know that he can hear me. And if I'm truly living by faith, that's all I need to know. Amen. So a couple of ways that God has showed himself to me, I, most importantly, like I left God last year. I like I went through certain situations and ironically this is why I started the JXW podcast because I felt as though hey those things that happened to me I don't want to happen to another human being it's not just a person to person thing it's not just hey me and that individual no this is happening worldwide and God has showed me Every step of the way. So I left God. I said, God, I don't want this anymore. I don't want your people anymore. Look how your people have treated me. And a week later, my brother invites me to church. My brother has invited me to church uh, four years um, prior. And I just said, I brushed it off. I said no, because I was already in another situation. So my brother invites me to church. He's like, Joe, don't give up on God totally. You need community. You need him. So I said, okay, let me go back. I go back to church. And this is like the huge testimony about God being revealed in my life. My brother put my name on a little table that they were praying on because they were in like a pray 21 season. And he put my name on the table. And a week after he put my name on the table, I reached out to him, not knowing that he did this. I reached out to him and said, mm-hmm. I need help. I need stability. I need, I need something. And I came to his church. And unbeknownst to me, he gave that testimony. And everyone just went wild, crazy, invited me with open arms. And it was just God showing me that, hey, I still have you. Even though you felt like I've left you, I still have you. And I see God just all over the place. But I want to talk about us proclaiming God with our story, with our purpose, with everything that we're doing. What are a few ways, using your creative purpose, that you are sharing the freedom of God in every situation? Yeah, so... Now, my favorite colors have definitely become white and yellow. I wear them all the time. I, uh, When I wrote my, uh, my book, which is actually um, my entire testimony uh, in completely in haiku form, and I made the book white and yellow, and I tell people this story, and I say that, you know, the reason I'm even able to do this is because I was created to do this. I was created to make haiku. And I actually, when I started this year off, I don't usually believe in, like, you know, New Year's resolutions or anything. But for some reason, um, someone had told me about the word abundance. I was going to have an Mm -hmm. abundance this year. And uh, I've been actually like uh, noting of everything that's happened to me this year where I just feel like an overflow of God's love. And one one of the ways that I've had an abundance of is haiku. And they're just coming so, so easily to me. And... Well, I may not think that it's amazing. I'm getting other people that are just like, this really resonated with me. Like, how do you do this? And so I've been able, I never want to browbeat. I never want to Bible thump, but it's been amazing to be able to give this one little piece of testimony. And back when I didn't really understand Christianity, I would try to do that. I would try to like convert and my, that's not my job. Mm -hmm. Um, 
somebody plants, somebody waters, but only God gives the increase. And so I just see like this story that I have because it's so amazing and because I love symbolism and because I love my relationship with God. This is my way of being able to plant my seed and just leave. Um, which I know sounds, I guess, like, I don't know if it sounds like a cop-out answer, like it's not very like helpful, <laughs> um, but being able to be in these spaces, and I've had so many people uh, who are either Christian or who are complete atheists and anybody in between who can relate to my poetry, relate to what I'm saying. And I've actually been thanked a number of times, like, thank you for hearing me. Thank you for loving me anyway. And it's like, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, like this is this is what it's supposed to be like. Like, I'm not gonna shun you. I don't hate you. And so being able to be in these spaces and create this like little pockets of love with the Lord in the center is just mind boggling. It it truly is just something to note because as we're Christians, our job is like literally that's what God told us, Jesus told us to do. Like as he was ascending into heaven, he told he said to us make disciples go out to the four corners of the earth and i've done like many episodes on this in saying that hey if we can't reach the four corners of ourselves we can't reach the four corners of our church we can't reach the four corners of our church we can't reach the four corners of the earth so just picking apart yourself and, and identifying those corners and saying hey this is my artistry this is um jealousy that's in me it can go on and on about emotions to things you want to do just pick a corner and address it and get it fixed and, and get get help freedom but specifically with artistry it's been a blessing doing the jxw podcast and just being that person to pronounce his my faith to the world and people have come up to me people yeah. have thanked me people have and it's not to my name it's to god's name right and so that's something that I'm really like passionate about because there are so many passive Christians where we, <laughs> my late pastor used to say Sunday morning Christians, where we only come on Sunday and we just like, we tap out at one o'clock and we go to lunch and then we forget about God for six days until, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to, this is supposed to be a daily thing, daily I die. So I want you to kind of speak to that in your spaces, in when, whatever that you have encountered. Have you encountered passive Christians? And what would you say to them? How would you present, hey, you should be doing this for God on a daily basis with all your strength, with all your might, everything? Yeah, so it's. I wouldn't say that I encounter a lot of passive Christians. I think this is just simply because I do live in the Bible Belt, so I'm kind of in the thick of like, I'm more in the thick of Bible thumpers than I am <laughs> actually passive <laughs> Christians. However, I do believe that each of us as humans, because, you know, we're people, we do have passive moments. And I know that yeah. I have my own passive moments where it's kind of like, I mean, it's because if you're really thinking about it like a relationship, you know, a relationship needs to be cultivated. It needs to be groomed. It needs to be re-looked at from different angles and, you know, and rekindled, um, if you will. And so I wouldn't say that I, I meet a lot of passive Christians, but I do... I myself run into passive times and I have friends run into passive times. And so I think like during those times, we're able to 
kind of talk to each other, like build each other up and just remind mm-hmm. ourselves of the goodness of that we've decided to accept that is Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, I, I think if anything, my main concern is like the Bible thumpers who believe that they're right. Everything's black and white. There are yes. no, they're like, there is no gray area. There is no, you know, there is no like, um, there is no room for, I guess, any sort of questions. Cause I believe that as human beings, like we're, we're going to question things and it's okay yeah. to have a question because you're seeking an answer. You know, you, you find God because you're trying to seek him. And so I can, t- like, I don't know why I'm trying to get over this, this spirit because I know that it's a spirit of pride. So I apologize in advance, but it, it, it makes me happy almost, which I know again is, is prideful. <laughs> I'm sitting in these, in these poetry centric spaces. Right. And I, I have an atheist go up and write and like they're reciting a poem about how God doesn't exist and all the Christians in the room squirm and it's like no you all need to listen Mm. because if you're squirming you might be part of the problem your your ears don't want to hear the pain and hurt that this person is going through because you're so steep in you being correct wow and that's not okay you like please like i it it pains me when they sit down and then all the christians like oh i have a poem to share and it's like, no, you have something to retaliate. You you didn't listen. You did yeah. not listen. And again, I know that it's a prideful spirit because I never want to laugh at anybody's downfall. But I will say that I used to be that Christian. And now I'm so happy that I can listen to a poem like that and I don't squirm because I understand that this is a person who is hurt or a person who is lost, mm-hmm. you know, and... I believe that that's what Jesus would have done. He wouldn't have squirmed and looked down upon. He would sit there and listen. And then he would offer good news. He would listen and offer food, listen and offer a story. And that's the kind of person that I want to, that I want to be. Um, And so I will literally go and seek out those people and I'll sit with them and I don't care about the, you know, the stares that I get. Like, go ahead and stare. This is what it's supposed Mm. to look like. That is a really good point. You want to know why? Because Jesus sat with tax collectors. Jesus sat with prostitutes. Jesus sat with all these people that, unfortunately, we claim as low in society. And it's like, I feel as though history has literally repeated itself to the T. Christians today are like the Pharisees and the Sadducees of that day where they they're trying to at the time the pharisees and sadducees were studying the five books of moses the torah and but i feel as though that's today just with a lot more books it's like the pastors in the church the leaders in the church even the congregants are now studying god's word too much that they don't see the human of god they don't see god as a man they don't see God going up to a homeless man and saying, hey, I want to help you. They don't see God going up to a prostitute and saying, hey, I want to help you. They don't see that. When they see these people, they shun them. They yeah. they completely put them down. Like, hey, you're going to hell. You're, you're going to hell. You're doing the devil's work. You're going to hell. And these people need help. These people need salvation. And that's the most important thing. So... 
honestly, with me coming into this new community, I've been exposed to more and more people who would be shunned in the church. But now the family that I've been introduced to, we're grabbing them with open arms and saying, hey, I want to help you heal. And that's really important. And I kind of want to skim into the mental health side because there's a lot of mental health geared in that whole scenario where a lot of people grew up in unfortunate situations that have shifted their perspective of life and their trajectory in the future. And us as Christians, we haven't had that. We don't experience that. We're, in a sense, quote-unquote, perfect. So from your perspective, what is the mental health? What What does that look like? in your world, where you live, your vicinity, um, the hospitals, the stores, the schools, just what is the vibe over there? Yeah, so the vibe over here, um, I feel like it's, how do I explain it? Because it's weird. In this, in the place where I live, um, mental health is, is a, you know, it's almost like a sin, right? Oh, you're depressed. You need to give that to God. Oh, you feel anxious. You need to give it to God. Just pray. Just pray about it. You just need to pray. Well, I am praying. We need to pray harder. But did you sit still? You didn't hear anything, you know? Um, But on the other hand, because of my generation, as far as the generation goes, uh, mental health is extraordinarily important and something that needs to be sought after. Let's go and let's go and heal our inner child, you know? So, for me personally, I was in, I wasn't, it wasn't until I was in college that I was diagnosed with uh, depression and anxiety, mm. um, moderate to severe uh, depression and then severe anxiety. And I was offered SSRIs, um, which I did not take because quite frankly, I, I was still able to function in everyday life. But I remember the first thing I would, I would think was, man, did I let God down? which shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm human. And I I was studying psychology at the time and I, I started del- delving into trauma. And so once I started studying trauma in combination with becoming uh, a therapeutic preschool teacher for traumatized infants, I started learning a lot in regards to my own inner child and her trauma. And then it was uh, it was like this mission that I had to go and try to fix her, mm. right? That like, there were so many things that I didn't realize that were brought on by, you know, generational curses, by um, generational trauma, honestly, by the church, <laughs> by colorism, racism, mm. what have you. And and I just went on this journey, which I'm still on, you know. I I decided to go and get a therapist, even though where I grew up, it's like, oh, you don't, you don't get a therapist. You don't air your dirty laundry. Um, I started talking about other diagnoses that I have that I need to go and get checked out. And uh, I've been talking to a friend um, who, you know, let me know like, hey, you know, sis, this is not a death sentence. You know, just because yeah. this feeling has a name, now we know what to do about it. And so it's still like a like a push and pull as far as what, Uh, mental health is but I'm starting to find that mental health is talked a lot about in the bible but the church doesn't really want to talk about that so (laughs) (laughs) like meditation 
like meditation is biblical self-care is biblical taking care of yourself and others that is all biblical we are supposed to take care of ourselves that is not a selfish thing you know i mean if, if jesus is supposed to live in this temple well geez i want to make sure that it's a nice temple to live in yeah. mental health is talked about in the bible like for the story of noah noah went on an ark and i don't think people really understand the severity of this story you go on an ark the door closes your entire family your entire people doubt you they pretty much hate you you have that in your mental the door closes rain starts coming out of no you don't even know what rain is water stops coming from the ground from nowhere you start hearing screams because people are drowning that's in your mental the the bible is full of just stories that people don't want to dive so deeply into but it's there and then during the story of Noah, he gets off the ark. They find land and boom, what is the first thing he does? He gets drunk and just lives reckless abandon. So there are people in even in the Bible stories that go through this. And people today go through this. They go through trials and tribulations. And honestly, in my trauma, I went through like a lot of stuff. And the way that I would self-help myself, quote-unquote, was I created a book. And I'm st I still working on it. I'm still working on publication <laughs> and all that. But I created a book. It's on my computer. It's called Oceans of Emotions. And basically, it's a series of love poems. And I'm having a conversation, an argument with my emotion of love. And that was kind of like one of my alter egos when I was like, five six seven i have multiple alter egos but it's like love the emotion of love would like gaslight me into feelings and i would just press into it you know yeah so i started writing started writing like real deep poems love poems and that's how i kind of survived as a young uh, person <laughs> i didn't have friends i didn't really have a world to like quote unquote live in but that's how i survived and the bible also has stories such as that the bible really speaks very boldly about mental topics and i believe that it's down back to the sadducees and, and the pharisee topic hey they seem so perfect that they don't deem mental health to be a thing to talk about and that's cool yeah. but it's a real thing so I want to get to, we talked about what mental health is for us. I want to get to mental health in other people. This podcast is drawn specifically for the younger generation. And there's a lot of people going through suicidal thoughts. There's a lot of people going through depression and anxiety and just traumatic experiences deeply as a child. I want to... What would you say to these people going through all this stuff right now? How would you encourage them? How would you put them up? So I'm not going to lie. It's hard to say because I won't say that I haven't had my own uh, fair share of suicidal thoughts. So I can say that as somebody who has been there, I know it sounds so cliche, but it's so true, especially when you repeat it, is that this too shall pass. Mm. Whatever it is that you're going through, like it's not going to be worse than you not being here at all you like 
everything, everything will pass. I've had so many times where I feel like I'm not going to get through it. Um, and I can't say that I can relate to everybody's story because I can't, we're all, you know, we all have our own story, but I've had my own and my roommate will look at me and be like, how do you do it? And I'm like, girl, I don't, God does. (laughs) I literally don't. As long as I hang on, God does it. I don't have to. Um, my, my job is doing the faith, like having the faith part and then having faith, what he tells me that it's going to work. That's what I do. Uh, but in order for that to go through, you got to be here. And it's going to be hard. It will be. And again, I know it sounds so cliche, and I don't want to sound like I'm I'm downplaying anybody's situation. Um, but it's not, it's not worse than death. Mm. It's not worse than somebody finding you. It's not. Um, it might take a while it can take a couple days it can take a couple of years but it'll pass i don't know how it's gonna pass i don't i can't tell you that i i'm not a clairvoyant but it'll pass and there will be a day where you can be a mentor for somebody else and help them go through it because if you go through that situation you have a story to tell and you you be able to um walk somebody else through it so for example like I've had maybe like a suicidal thought here and there, but I, I haven't had major, like, I haven't had like major suicidal tendencies. So it's hard for me to talk about with another person just because I don't have, like, I, I can't truly relate. However, I'd be able to talk to anybody who's going through alcohol abuse. Mm. That's something I, I can relate with. And we can sit down we can have a chat about that for hours, you know? Um, but in order to get there, you have to get through what you're going through right now. It, it's 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 hard. It's tough. And I thank God I ended all of those thoughts, all those tendencies, all of that when I turned 19 years old. And it it was just something that I had to jump over. And it was I I don't even know how the thoughts ended. Like when people think about quote unquote thoughts they think about oh you, you're just like thinking about bad stuff no you're not thinking about bad stuff you're thinking about bad stuff over and over and over yeah. and over <laughs> like i had like at least five clips all ending in somebody's demise that i would replay in my mind every single second of every single day mm-hmm. and i obviously needed help and i got the help that i want that i desired and I truly needed, but it's very important to like voice that. Like you've gotten free. Voice it. Like I did an episode uh last night I recorded um talking about the domino effect, specifically in creative purpose, that if you enact your creative purpose, that will touch us another person and they will do that for another person. And it just we eventually flip a whole city just everyone voicing their true stories their their lives their traumas and just like getting people free and that's really what my next point is what in your space and what you're doing how can you start a domino effect like how can you inspire somebody to then inspire another person to then inspire another person how how would you go about that? So I've recently learned uh, as an extroverted person that not everybody's going to be as bold as I am. 
Um, I'm definitely one to try to jump in with both feet and ask questions later and then wonder why on earth I just got myself into trouble. <laughs> so I, I've now decided and I've seen that I've seen it work over and over again. Number one is listen, listen mm. more than I speak. Um, when somebody's telling their story, don't ask questions, just listen. Um, because that them being heard allows them to hear others. Um, so I, I listen and then if questions come to me, uh, my other thing is, you know, tell the truth. Yeah. Uh, I talk about the butterfly effect a lot. And one instance that like really got to me uh, recently actually happened in 2019. And, you know, we're so conditioned to to ask people how their day was. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> you know, we say good or fine. And one day I saw this girl who I, we knew of each other, but we weren't like super close. And I saw her in the grocery store, you know, and we hugged and she's like, how are you doing? And something in the back of my mind said, tell the truth. Yeah. And so I didn't say good or fine. I said, you know what? I'm not doing so hot. I'm going through some really bad financial issues. And she's like, what's going on? And so I'm like, how much do I tell this girl? And and again, I hear this voice of like, tell the truth. And I'm like, mm, here we go. And so I tell her about, you know, how I just graduated college, but I can't find a job and yada, yada, yada. So she tells me, hey, I have this friend who helps people find jobs for the fun of it. She doesn't charge you or anything. I'll give you her phone number. I'm like, okay, great. So I get her phone number. How are you doing? You know what? I'm not doing so hot. I mm. tell the truth. And, you know, so she sits down with me. We have a couple of of lunch dates. And within a couple of months, I land my dream job. Wow. Um, That I didn't even know existed right under my nose. Uh, I had no idea that it was, it was an option for me. And so had that not happened, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so I think about that just like something as simple as listening to other people and something as simple as telling the truth when somebody asks you a question, don't just give them, like, you don't have to give their your whole life story, but with me just being a bold person, I've learned that just telling the truth goes so much further and allows more people to be reached yeah. than for me closing everything in. So I want to ask you a couple more questions, and yes. this is driven towards the future. In your current artistry and your current purpose and all that you're doing, what is what does the future look like? Are we putting out another book? Are we going on tour? Are we what what is the future for Julia Lauren? Yeah, so the future is definitely filled with words. That's that's the best that I can say. The future is filled with words. It's filled with music. Um, I do have uh I do have aspirations for another book. I actually always participate in uh, this worldwide challenge called NaNoWriMo, where you write an entire novel in the month of November. Uh, so 50,000 words or more. And I did that last year and I was successful and I did write an entire novel. Uh, it still sucks. It hasn't been edited, <laughs> but <laughs> I'd like to find an editor and publish it. And then I do already have plans for a sequel and or a second book for this year. Um, I do have plans to continue uh, to create more and more projects with uh with my my haikus and i've been told that i'm pretty good sometimes when it comes to photography i call myself i'm an iphoneographer <laughs> and so i'd like to make a picture book the next time i do my next uh, haiku book i have no idea when that's going to drop but you know 
I, I believe that it's something that I'd be able to do that's going to reach more people. Um, so I was very surprised at the turnout that I got for the first book. And so many people said that it really resonated with them and that the haikus were a lot deeper than they thought. Um, and it's, it's prompted so many people. It's amazing. It's prompted so many people to write haikus or they're like, man, I haven't written a haiku since I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, that's the goal. Like, come on, let's, let's do this thing and let's do it together. Let's be humans together and be alive and breathe the air that's here right now. So, um, as far as for my future, I know that there's a lot of planning that has to be done. Um, not too much because I do get overwhelmed pretty easily. Uh, but I could just, I just know that words, words are in my future for sure. We talked, we were talking about the future future. What is the today? Like plug yourself. Like if people hear this, if people get a glimpse of this episode how can they follow you how can they get in touch how what collaborations anything that you're currently doing how can they get involved yeah so i i'm pretty present on instagram um i have taken a little bit of a break but anybody can find me on instagram at simply julia lauren which is where i post a lot of my haikus uh that just kind of come to me freely um i usually will go live every wednesday at around five um, the only reason I haven't recently is because my computer broke, <laughs> so oh. I'm not able to uh, to flesh out haiku as as much as I'd like. Um, but yeah, usually people can catch me uh, online at about 5 p.m. I also just recently started a TikTok, uh, so people can find me on TikTok at um, simply.julia.lauren uh, is my new TikTok handle, and there are so far I've only posted about uh, opening for Ruby Core, but I do plan on uh, putting some more of my work and artistry there as well. Um, and then, like I said, as far as like publishing goes, uh, the next big project that I have is going to come up in November. I do plan on um, participating in NaNoWriMo and writing. I don't know if it's going to be a book of poetry. I don't know if it's going to be a sequel to my last book. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then I know, I think it's, what is it august september october i think it's gonna be in november um i would say stay tuned so because <laughs> it's still kind of in the works but i do have a collaboration that i'm doing uh with this nonprofit, and we're gonna do hype mm. for hope um and so that's gonna be uh live streamed on my instagram and as far as like the date and time just stay tuned just follow me on instagram <laughs> if you want to see when that happens but super excited about that as well well thank you for coming on the jxw podcast i really appreciate you coming on and sharing your voice your testimony and everything that you're doing so appreciate you and i will catch you later